podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing. The double is definitely Manchester United's. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Manchester United get back to winning ways with a 1-0 victory against Leicester. Thanks to a Marcus Rashford penalty, we're talking that win. Looking at Scott McTominay's performance in the absence of Paul Pogba and David De Gea's new contract, as well as which Leicester City players we would sign in January or the next summer transfer window. Uh, then we talk about our youth loan and women's roundup, as always, before previewing games against Astana at home in the Europa League and West Ham away in London. Jack, uh, I, I mean, overall not the, the most entertaining win. Um, both United and Leicester uh, a bit toothless in their displays at Old Trafford on, on Saturday. But the, the one player that really stood out for me, and before we talk about the, the win as a whole and, and the importance of it, is, is Scott McTominay, who I thought was fantastic. He was kind of started up a bit higher up the pitch and a bit in a, in a, in a freer role than normal because Pobble wasn't playing. And, and you could tell he's got so much so much confidence in his own game a lot of those kind of chop backs between his own legs to take the pressure off himself some fantastic passing some great vision um, and all in all a really, really really impressive performance It shouldn't really be too much of a surprise at that point for us or when Scott McTominay puts in these kind of performances because he's been doing it for the last five or six months I mean so far this season he's been probably alongside Harry Maguire our most consistent player every single week he comes out he does his job just as you would want it and you're right having that little bit of extra freedom with Pogba not in the team allowed him a little bit of more responsibility going forward and he seemed to thrive from it. He has some brilliant marauding runs forward. He reminds me of, of Roy Keane in his younger younger years when Roy Keane wasn't so much of, of just sort of a, a destroyer. When on the ball, Roy Keane had some brilliant vision going forward. He was brilliant uh, on the ball with his passing. But the thing that really stood out about Keane's game when he was younger, sort of in, in the late 90s, was that his runs forward on the ball were immaculate and the, the goal that stands out to me is, is one he scored against Arsenal where he, he's running through and uh, ends up playing a 1-2. I think it might be with Andy Cole. And it's exactly the kind of thing that Scott McTominay has been doing for the last for the last few games this season and even more so against Leicester yeah. with that extra freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's not to say that if Pobber leaves next summer, McTominay can replace that creativity and, and ability in the side. That's definitely not true. But I think a lot of United fans who, uh, who didn't get to see McTominay as a kid because it's worth remembering that until McTominay was 18 he was a, an attacking midfielder and he missed about a year year and a half of, of football as an 18 year old 19 year old because he had such a, an, an incredible growth spurt where he grew I think 12 or 13 inches in in the space of, of 12 or 18 months so he had this incredible growth spurt and that saw him convert drop deeper into a into a sitting midfielder and that's something Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said after the game he said he's still adjusting to to this new role and it, it's incredible but it means that for for much of McTominay's career uh his youth career he was playing as an attacking midfielder having to have those attributes and 
And some really, that was a, a beautiful searching ball landed right at the feet of Dan James early on. And I think it, it led to James winning a free kick and, and Pereira came very close. There was a, a lovely cushion pass to get Young out of trouble on, on the left. And then it, there was this crunching tackle on Ben Chilwell, yeah. um, which kind of awoke Old Trafford from its it, a bit of a, a bit of a slumber um, and, and got everyone standing to its feet. He, he comes a bit unstuck when under pressure. I think particularly in his own half, the closer he is to, to his own goal, he starts to look a, a lot less assured. And that's definitely a problem. McKenna, uh, Kieran McKenna, one of the coaches, had like a little word in his ear um, in the first half. He definitely loses the ball a bit too much, but um, very important, especially looking like playing next to Nemanja Matic and, and Juan Mata made him look even even better. Yeah, the, the, the company around him definitely uh, improves the way he looks to everyone because those, those two leave, leave a lot to be desired generally. But he's becoming a leader for us as well. And that's what we what we wanted to see. We wanted to see leaders step up this season. And Scott McTominay is proving that he can be that leader for us. Even And he's learning with experience how to be a bit of a gamesman as well. And what he was doing at the end of the game, taking the ball to the corner and leaving it uh, in between his legs, all just to waste time as we were trying to close out yeah, the game. Yeah. You know, not saying that that makes him a particularly good footballer, but it's just him showing that he, he's learning a bit of now. He's gaining that experience, which we all wanted. And the way that he is becoming a leader in our team is very, very impressive. And I would say probably along with Harry Maguire, David De Gea, he is probably one of the, the talismanic figures in our team at this point, despite being so young and still relatively inexperienced, because he's one of the people that you can count on for those consistent performances. We've spoken before about how being a leader that does, yeah. leader doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're going around barking orders at every single one, every player around you. It's about leading by example and being a figure that everyone in the team can look to when they need someone to pull out a performance. And you just never feel that McTominay is going to put in a bad performance at the moment. I'm not saying he, he's going to set the world on fire every single time he steps out on the pitch. But when I see him in the starting lineup, I'm, I'm, I never worry that he this could be a day where he plays particularly badly. Yeah. And even with a player as great as Paul Pogba, that is something that you worry about. Yeah, I, I did a piece for, for United website on that, saying that McTominay is probably United's most reliable central player. Um, we've seen some great performances from from Wan-Bissaka and Dan James, but I think McTominay, in, it's certainly in the, in the spine of the team, is is the most reliable, consistent uh, player that United have this season and at the back end of last season. It's incredible when you think about how the, the criticism he got at the start and there were so many comparisons drawn to Darren Fletcher, someone who, who also got a huge amount of criticism when uh, Fergie brought him into the side as a kid. Um, and obviously the Scottish link is there, the fact that they're both blonde and, and playing central <laughs> midfield. But it's 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 one that is kind of coming coming true because McTominay is now starting to put in solid performances. It's unlikely if United are to get back to title winning ways that McTominay will be part of that title winning midfield. He'll probably be a squad player at best, but nevertheless... It's incredibly impressive for a 21-year-old to come through that criticism and, and be acting as, as one of the leaders of the side. And that's what he said he wants to, to be a leader in the United dressing room. Oligan and Solskjaer called him a leader after the game. And in fact, later in the game, he dropped back into a deeper position when Fred replaced Matic. And that's that brings me on to, to another point that Oligan and Solskjaer finally made some earlier substitutions. Um, yeah. And that, I think, helped United see the game out. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with how we saw the game out in the end. I mean, it wasn't always totally comfortable but at no point did I feel like it was inevitable that we were going to be conceding and in sort of a weird way it reminded me quite a lot of of the Leicester game in was it last season or maybe the season before no the season before last we drew 2-2 at the King Power Stadium uh, with that the last minute goal scored by uh, scored by Leicester when Chris Smalling was injured but somehow left on the pitch and the difference from then to now was massive 
And yes, we, we it wasn't ideal. We didn't keep the ball as well as we should have done. We were under pressure. But at no point did it feel like Leicester were imminently about to score. And the one chance that they did have was indeed with the left-footed volley, uh, which came after a couple of crosses into the box. And even that, it was more of a half chance and a snatched, snatched shot rather than any actual big chance that you would expect Leicester to be scoring from. And I really do think that Harry Maguire's presence makes such a difference in that because in a similar way to what I, I find when I watch Virgil van Dijk play, in that when I watch Virgil van Dijk, he never looks like he's flustered at all. Even when he's last man and someone's running at him 1v1, it almost looks like van Dijk is in control of every situation. And it's something that Harry Maguire exudes as well when he defends. He never looks like he's under too much pressure. He And, and even, even Victor Lindelof, who we have praised a lot and I think both like as a centre-back, his style of play is a little bit more erratic and he does sometimes look like he's a little bit flustered. And there was a moment uh, where Leicester almost got in because Lindelof misjudged a ball and he just looked sort of all over the place. But Harry Maguire just exudes that confidence, exudes that calmness. And I think that does have an effect on the players around him. And obviously, it, it wasn't like he was making goal-saving tackle after goal-saving tackle. But I don't think we can underestimate the impact that just having someone with that calm air about them makes to that defence as we're trying to close out a game. Maguire was massively important in yeah in calming the game down and, and his presence, as you say, is is so important to the players in front of him, players like McTominay um, and to the players behind him as well. David De Gea has kept more clean sheets at, or the same amount of clean sheets at Old Trafford this season. As he, as he did last season already in 16 fewer games. Um, and Maguire and Wan-Bissaka are proving to be fantastic signings and I think we should kind of remember that as the season progresses and, and not take it for granted that uh, all three signings that Solskjaer made this summer have been absolutely spot on. Somehow Maguire has almost gone from being massively over-scrutinised to almost flying under the radar a little bit now because yeah. I think it, it's almost just kind of assumed that he's going to be solid and, and because he doesn't rack up gaudy stats like Wan-Bissaka does with all of the tackles, just because of the Maguire style and the fact that centre-backs generally aren't in one-on-one duels quite as much as full-backs are, he, I, I don't actually think Maguire is getting the credit and the recognition that he deserves for the effect that he's having on that defence. Uh, him, him, Wan-Bissaka and Dan James have been very, very successful signings so far. Although I am, I'm touching wood as I record this to hopefully not, not jinx that. Um, and despite all the negativity around the summer transfer window, which I think was justified, and the fact that our start after the Chelsea game hasn't been as good as we maybe could have hoped, that is definitely a positive that we can take, is that it does suggest good things going forward, that the the club and hopefully Solskjaer did actually do due, due, due diligence on these signings properly and made sure that all of the, all of the signings they were making were people that were, that were going to fit in with the philosophy that Solskjaer was trying to implement and would actually be able to come in and make a difference to this team. Not just signings based on name recognition or signings that, you know, had made, were over the hill and weren't going to fit in our system. And that is a, that is a positive going forward, regardless of how many yeah. players we signed over the summer. Definitely. I mean, it, we said this at the end of the transfer window, United should have made more signings, but the signings they have made are very good ones. And we spent £150 million this summer. And is any of those any of those millions and millions seen as seen as a waste? I don't think so. £80 million for Dan James is, is proving he won't keep up this form. He's, he's clearly playing probably above his level um, because of the confidence he has at the moment. But £80 million for Dan James has already proved worth it, basically. £50 million for Aaron Wan-Bissaka looks like a very astute signing um, and he should only get better. And, and £80 million for Aaron Maguire um, seems to, to just about be worth it. And we said after the Maguire signing, we were very excited by it, but we were slightly concerned by the fact we were paying £80 million, um, 
for 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 a centre back or for any player really. Um, and we didn't think we thought Maguire was probably worth nearer fifty or sixty. But we also said at the time, if people have stopped talking about Harry Maguire's price tag by the end of the season, by this time next year, then that'll be fine. I haven't seen anyone refer to Harry Maguire as an eighty million pound centre back over the last month because instantly he's coming to the side and putting the performances you would expect from from a player of that price I don't think anyone can have any complaints so far about what Harry Maguire has offered to our defence not only have his performances been good but like I said the effect that he's having on everyone around him is massive and you're right the, the, the price tag isn't being discussed now and we've said this with, with Paul Pogba before in that he does get a lot of unfair criticism purely based off of his price tag but a lot of that comes from the fact that Pogba hasn't done enough in his performances to make those comments go away. Maguire has come in and has hit the ground running. And I'm not saying that it will ever completely go away. There will always be people who talk about Harry Maguire's price tag. In the same way, there are still some idiots that go around mentioning Van Dyke's price tag every once in a while as well. But if you if you play the way that Maguire is playing so far, it will be forgotten to, to a large extent. And people will focus on the way that you're playing. And the fact that as a centre-back, in the same way as a, as a central mid, uh, defensive midfielder, often the biggest compliment that you can have is people not really talking about you very much. And I think that's what's happening to Harry Maguire at the moment. Yeah, um, and I, I kind of briefly touched on it, saying that Solskjaer made earlier subs and reacted quicker. And this was a big criticism I had after the Southampton game in particular. And and, and it came from the first four Premier League games of the season. Obviously, the Chelsea game was fantastic, and then United drew away at Wolves. And uh, were it not for missed penalty, United could be second in the league. But at the same time... The, the substitutions and in-game changes that Solskjaer was making, particularly against Wolves and Southampton and, and also against Palace, were too late and often the wrong ones. And uh, Wolves was particularly frustrating. You saw, I can't remember who came on, in, someone came on in the 81st minute um, and then Mason Greenwood and Juan Mata were brought on in the 89th minute. And obviously United were looking for a winner and it's possible to get a winner from the 89th minute onwards, but it seemed a little futile. Um, that's not enough time for a 17-year-old Greenwood to settle in and find the goal. And it's also not enough time for Juan Mata, a player like Mata, to settle in and make a difference. So it seemed pointless. It seemed too late. Against Leicester, 67th minute, probably still still a little late. Fred is brought on from Matic. McTominay drops deeper and, and suddenly things calm down. 70th, Teeth uh, Chong comes on, gives United a bit uh, some, some fresh legs, replaces Mata, uh, gives them more power on the counter-attack. And, and that changed it. Chong played um, well, by the way, when he came on as well. Yeah, he lost the ball a couple of times. He he made a couple of wrong decisions, but he did well. And he did the, I think importantly, he, he wasn't brought on to, to score necessarily, but he was brought on to, to give United something else and, and make Leicester worry about what United could do on the counter-attack. Um, because Dan James was starting to kind of fade out of the game. He had one or two moments in the second half, but he wasn't wasn't much involved. Chong came on and, and made a difference on that front. So the, the fact that Solskjaer made earlier subs completely, it, it won United the, the three points. And I think that game, uh, even a month ago, and it still could have done, but either a month ago, I think would have probably ended a draw. And particularly, uh, even more notably, a season ago, two seasons ago, in the last five years, that would have been a draw. But perhaps a sign of change. I'm very pleased that Solskjaer is starting to learn from his mistakes, or at least it seems like he is. And I think it's one thing that we're going to have to get used to as United fans, because there are going to be mistakes in Solskjaer's tenure. He is not a particularly experienced manager, especially at this level. And so I think we have to kind of be willing to take the good with the bad. And as long as we do see progress, then that's kind of all we can ask for. And I think the subs are are definitely one of the main areas that we can criticise Solskjaer. 
I can't remember like I can't remember who it was that came on in the Wolves game, but I remember it being quite a defensive player that came on uh, around like the 80th minute before we then brought on Greenwood for when there was sort of one or two minutes left. And it was just, it was such a frustrating feeling because you knew it was obvious to pretty much everyone watching it what needed to happen. And partly this goes back, I do feel sorry for Solskjaer a little bit because it goes back to the summer transfer window and not bringing in the right players that we wanted and being left with a horrific lack of depth in a lot of positions because you look at our bench and if we we need a goal, our main option is a 17-year-old Mason Greenwood. And as exciting as Mason Greenwood is, him being the person we're relying on to score goals is not the position yeah. that, we, that we wanted to be in. But having said that, Solskjaer does need to start using the players that he has at his disposal a lot more. And not only did it did he uh, bring players on at, the, on at the right time, I thought the players that he brought on were also very good. Uh, he, he made all the right changes when he needed to, to try and control the game and also give us a little bit more edge going forward. So I, I have no complaints with, with what Solskjaer did at the weekend. I think the Leicester performance as a whole was disappointing, as a lot of it has been this season, but... This young team finding a way to win when they don't play particularly well is always a good yeah, thing. Yeah, and I think given the injuries, it was it was a scenario and, and a result and a performance that fans will, will readily accept, particularly against a team of, of Leicester's quality. 100%. Um, Pogba, Martial, Shaw, all out. Uh, Eric Bailly's out, Diego Dallo is out. Um, Lingard. Yeah, Lingard as well. So, the, the, I mean, and United squad is, is bloated, but in terms of quality... Uh, it, it's very thin. So those players being out, and I, t- I tell you what's also a change this season is I'm really excited to watch Anthony Martial come back. Um, he should be back from injury very soon, and, and it is almost fit to play. I think, and I'm excited to see him play again. And I haven't felt that way since probably while he was playing under Louis Van Gaal. So that's a that's a big difference. On the subject of, of transfers, actually, very quickly, if you could sign one Leicester player, uh, partly based on on the performance against United. Um, but also in general, which which one would it be? Oh, it's a tough it's a tough choice. There are a lot of good players on that Leicester team. One player that I've been very impressed with this season, not so much against United, he didn't have the best game, um, but is the centre back Soyuncu. Uh, I think he's done very very well since coming in, partly to replace Harry Maguire. Ben Chilwell would be pretty high on my list as well. Um, I don't think there's a massive difference between him and Luke Shaw, but I think Chilwell is is a little bit more dynamic than Shaw in in pretty much all aspects of the game. But I think the one that I would probably end up settling on uh, would probably be James Madison. I think he would offer us a lot going forward in a position that we struggle to have a lot of quality. We don't connect the midfield and the, and the yeah. attackers in the way that we should. And I think playing in our midfield alongside McTominay and Pogba would, would provide us with a lot of very good options. Yeah, I I've, I've thought about this question during the game. Um, and my my kind of instinctive reaction was James Madison. I, I think he, he would be good for United. Solskjaer is interested in him. Um, that that much is clear and a lot of other top European clubs, not just English clubs, are, are looking at whether they can sign him because it will probably be around 80 million. Um, and I, th- I think he'd be a very good signing, but I, I, I'm not sure it's the position United need most. And I think if United could sign perhaps Wilfred and Didi, but I'm not sure if he's quite good enough then move Pogba forward, uh, then I think Pogba could be better than Madison in, in that role. But I think Madison's a really exciting player and, a, and, a, and a, he's, he's got a great future for Leicester and whoever he goes on to play for and, and England. Um, finally, before we move on, David De Gea signed a new contract about two hours ago. Um, we're recording this on, on Monday evening. Fantastic news. I, I don't think there's, there's much else to say. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a potential United have secured their their defensive spine 
for the next five years at least. Aaron Basaka and Maguire arrived this summer both on five or six year contracts. De Gea has now signed a, a five year contract, I think four years with a, with a possibility of an extra one. Um, so it, it kind of gives Solskjaer, or even if Solskjaer leaves, it gives United that base from which to build on. And the defence has certainly improved under Solskjaer, even if the, the attack remains somewhat stagnant. Yeah, and rarely have I seen any contract be so richly deserved as De Gea's is. And despite the dip in form at the end of last season where, you know, we were all worried about whether this was sort of the, the beginning of the end for David De Gea, he'd come back this, this season and, and largely looked very, very good. He made a brilliant save from James Madison, I think, actually in the first half. Um, that looked like it, it might take the game away from us very, I think it was very early on before it was even, before we'd even scored yeah. scored the penalty. So if it wasn't for De Gea, that game could have gone in a very, very different way. It was a great save with his feet. He looks back to back to his normal self, and hopefully we just don't have to rely on him quite as much as we have done in the last few years. But I think, you know, yeah. if, if anyone in United's squad deserved a new contract, David De Gea is one hundred percent top of that list. Yeah, and hopefully the the fact that his future is now sorted will see him return to to the form of of twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Because yeah. um, it's it's some it's very hard as as a football fan, given the amount of games and the amount of games shown on TV now, um, to kind of detach yourself from, from the present. Um, and De Gea's form has clearly been a worry for the last six maybe six months, maybe a year. Um, and so it's hard to remember just how amazing he was uh, in the 2017-18 oh, yeah. season. Some ridiculous performances against against Tottenham, Arsenal, uh, the, the the list would be endless if I if I actually went through it. Um, and I watched a couple of of his best stuff from that season today, just after he signed his contract. And you're reminded that this is currently not the best goalkeeper in the world, but someone who who has been at one point and could obviously and easily be once again. And to have him tied down now to not have to spend a hundred million on a, on a new goalkeeper on someone like Jan Oblak who may not even want to join the club is, is fantastic news and if he gets to the end of his contract he will have spent 13 years at United yeah um Schmeichel and van der Sar did 14 together between them so he, he, he'll end yeah. up being one of United's I mean, he, he probably already is but he will makers. he already is but he'll, he'll end up being a, an absolute legend at United I think and just quickly yeah, as well if you if you go back three or four years, if you'd have said to someone when all, all the 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 rumours about De Gea going to Madrid and it looked like the 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 move was imminent, if you'd have said yeah. to someone that Monday sixteenth of September twenty nineteen, De Gea would not only still be at the club but have a fresh five year contract in his hand, I don't think yeah. anyone would have believed you. And to be fair, I think it, it's it's been by by luck just as much as it's been through sort of calculated moves. But fair play to to the backroom staff at the club and, and the board for actually making this happen. Um, although, like I said, I think a lot of it has been down to sort of luck and, and things falling into the right place rather than sort of calculated business. Well, I, I think there's there's two things. One, yeah, credit to, to the backroom staff for making De Gea enjoy his time at United enough that the, the lack of trophies in the last five years, or we've won three actually, but the lack of major trophies in the last five years doesn't yeah. mean he's forcing his way out. Because he was obviously looking at his options um, at Juventus, at PSG, and obviously Real Madrid a, f- a couple of years ago. So it's not like he, w- he was always going to sign this contract, but they've made it a situation where even though United are pr- pretty poor um, and other teams are winning all the trophies, De Gea still wants to stay, at least for, for, for the, the foreseeable future. Um, and also, De Gea's 
one of the best players in his position in the world and is, is deciding to stay at United. So credit to him. And, and as you say, he will leave a legend. Um, right, we must move on. United's under-23s beat Fulham 1-0 on Friday night. Not their best performance of the season. And Brandon Williams was sent off in the second half. Fulham also had a man sent off. But uh, particularly impressive from 16-year-old Will Fish and 17-year-old Ted Mengi, the centre-back pairing, the really young centre-back pairing, playing years ahead of their, their schoolmates. Um, it was a debut for Fish at that level, and he did very well. The under-18s, though, had a very disappointing 5-1 loss against Derby County. Mark Helm got the consolation goal. Too many players being played out of position, um, but the team is, is settling because a lot of new signings as well um, so it is difficult since we last spoke United's women's played their first ever women's Super League Manchester derby in front of more than 30,000 fans at the Etihad um, a great day for the for the women's game in Manchester City won 1-0 but it was close and for United's first game against one of the best sides in the country um, and their first game in the WSL not a terrible result they now face Arsenal the champions as we record this and then Liverpool so um, certainly a few hard fixtures for Casey Stoney's side Right, United start their UEFA Europa League campaign. We're back in Europe's uh, most entertaining club competition. Um, Astana, Kazakhstani opposition, um, could not be more Europa League. Thursday night at Old Trafford. Um, <laughs> the Red Army, the new United group sorting, uh, who have, have created this section in the Stretford End right side with the help of United where they're putting groups of mates together. Um, they're getting people together who, who want to participate in the atmosphere at games are having a big section in L stand which is normally the away stand against Astana so it it should be a pretty lively atmosphere for um for a game like this which can often be kind of a drab affair um I think it's a fantastic opportunity to play United's most talented young players uh, I'd particularly love to see James Garner start in midfield because of all the players, he's going to get the least chances in in league football purely because of his position, because he's not a forward. Um, but it would also be it would also be really good to see Brandon Williams start at left back, um, and and obviously Angel Gomez, Chong, and Mason Greenwood as well. So I think Solskjaer should be starting three or four of those. You don't want to throw them all in at once, but three or four of those should be playing against Astana. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no need to not play those young players in this game. You know, the, the Europa League group that we've been drawn into looks on paper to be pretty comfortable. And so there shouldn't be any issues with, with going through. And against Astana, it's the perfect opportunity to be playing those youngsters. Like you said, Chong, Greenwood, Gomez, uh, James Garner, Brandon Williams, they're all, all players that I think should at least be in contention to start. You'd like to see, like you said, maybe maybe five of those play, I would say, uh, along with some more experienced faces, probably Sergio, Sergio Romero in net. And, you know, give them some good experience. It will be a good test. Astana are likely to sit deep and it will allow our players to have a lot of the ball to express themselves. So I think it's, a, it's the perfect opportunity to blood these youngsters. And you might see, as we go through the Europa League this season, you might see us playing teams that look like they're more sort of like League Cups kind of sides. And I think it actually might really help because it will give us, our young players, a lot of experience. And hopefully mean that some of our more established first team players don't have to be playing on Thursday nights and we may not, hopefully, may not suffer the same sort of Europa League hangover that is so common with this competition Although having to travel to Kazakhstan in a couple of weeks is is far from ideal for that. Yeah, I was looking at uh, I was looking at flights to see if I could get out there for the game, and it's it's like seven or eight hour flights with stoppings and um, yeah. about four hundred. It's a long quid. flight to get out there. Yeah, yeah, massive flight, massively expensive, and and actually it's really hard to 
get there. It's, it's, it's I think one it's of about those, a four hour time difference as well. Yeah, and it's one of those where you can't even get the flight to one place and then the train or anything like that. It's it's so hard to get to. Uh, I was just, I was probably looking at it. So credit to any United fans who um, are willing to to pay that kind of money and and <laughs> sacrifice a few days. Um, to get there when when we played them away from home, it's like the, uh, like those thirty odd Wolves fans that made the trip out to Armenia for their Europa League <laughs> qualifier. That was class. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember when United played Rostov as well. There were a few people who got like a three or four day train to to yeah. the middle of Russia, um, and then also it was a period where United had Rostov away, Southampton away, and then the uh, League Cup final at Wembley as well. And I think I think there were fourteen fans who went to all three games. And United sent them a little. Uh, reward, I think, gave one of their tickets for free or something to to say thank you, which is <laughs> which is fair enough. Um, and then after Astana, as you say, hopefully the senior players are, are given a rest because of the quality of these young players coming through. West Ham um, Sunday away from home, we've had some shocking games away to West Ham under Mourinho, Van Gaal, and, and a few others. So it's always going to be a tricky one. What are you predicting? Yeah, not not going to be easy at all. West Ham are always a strange side. You never you never quite know what you're going to get. With West Ham, they always seem like they're very good on paper, and then sometimes struggle to put it together. But it's just an awful place to go and play. Upton Park was one of the grounds I hated watching United play at, and and although the London Stadium isn't anywhere near as intimidating, it still carries some pretty bad memories from us from last season. I'd be very very shocked if this was anything other than a very uncomfortable game for us. I don't I don't think it's it's going to be a particularly <laughs> enjoyable watch. I think it's going to be quite scrappy. <sighs> prediction I'll probably go unfortunately I don't think we're going to win I'll go a one all draw um, hopefully not scoring with another penalty because that is becoming a concern that so many of our goals are coming from set pieces but yeah I'm going to go with a one all draw I'm going to go I'm going to be more autistic go with a 2-0 win I think it will be uncomfortable but I think we'll we'll I think we'll go ahead and then and then grab one late on because that, that's the benefit of of having someone like Mason Greenwood on the bench. It's like um, you've got Rashford, Martial, yeah. and, and um, James starting probably against West Ham. The the pace and the and uh, the directness and incisiveness in in that attack is is incredible. And it's and the, the, I don't know if it's a concern that we're getting so many penalties because there's a reason we're we're getting so many. Um, I was just looking at this four out of the eleven penalties in the Premier League this season have been for United but when you look at United's attackers they're, they're all these young kind of quick feet and, and pacey direct forwards and it's no surprise and then if you can bring someone else off the bench to get a goal late on it hasn't quite worked like that yet um, this season but at some point it might it might start to work out like that that we bring on Greenwood or James late on and that gets us and takes the game away from the opposition so I'm going 2-0 win uh, for United uh, we'll leave it at that thank you very much for listening as always to the Manchester United weekly podcast um, for more from Jack throughout the week you can find him on Twitter at, at UTD Tate T-A-I-T and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end there thank you as always for listening and thank you to those who have left uh, reviews on iTunes please rate subscribe review all of that stuff um, and, and give us a shout out on Twitter if you're enjoying this though uh, have a great week goodbye
Podcast Network.